Hey, college kids. Welcome back to my podcast, Who Cares About College? Today's interview is with Sanjana from Drexel University. I'm just here to remind you to make sure you subscribe and check out my blog, collegerealitycheck.com, for more college-related content. Hope you enjoy. Hey, college kids. Welcome back to my podcast, Who Cares About College? In today's interview, I'm going to be interviewing Sanjana. So if you could introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. Uh, it's great to be here. I'm Sanjana. I go to Drexel University. I'm an incoming sophomore and I'm originally from New Jersey, but I'll be living on campus soon and I'm studying finance and business analytics. All right. So let's quickly get your like demographics sorted out. Can you tell us, you know, your race, your gender and socioeconomic status? Like what what did colleges see when they opened your application? Yeah. So I'm a South Asian American. My parents are from India. They immigrated here and I was born here and I'm from Princeton, New Jersey. So right by uh, Princeton's campus, actually, the university. Um, so I'd say we're uh, middle class, but uh We definitely have done well. Um, And yeah, uh, I've gone to public school all my life. Um, I went to South Brunswick High School for high school. And then we have two middle schools. So I went to the South Middle School, but there was a North as well. Um, And yeah, that's pretty much an overview. All right. So going into high school, were you ever creating like a game plan for college? Were you ever thinking, okay, I'm in freshman year. I need to start focusing on my extracurriculars, make sure my grades are maintained. So going into high school, were you like very college focused or were you more like just kind of going in free flowing? Um, So I was always pretty involved in extracurriculars, like just not, you know, not even just focused on college, but just like a personal interest. So um, I did uh, Barthanakum, which is a Indian classical dance form for like nine years of my life. I learned Mm -hmm. Um, and then basically the, the track for that dance form is you start learning and then you sort of gain like a repertoire of dances. And once you're like early high school, you do this like solo debut performance in front of like all your friends and family and all that. So I reached that level in 10th grade. And then after that, um, I decided to just kind of take a break from classes. Like after that point, you can go back and learn more, but you've kind of reached like a high point. So a lot of people tend to stop. So I did that. And then I ended up uh, joining the Asian club at my school and there were dance teams um, a part of that. So I was on like a few dance teams. I was a captain of one. And, you know, that was kind of like a major thing that I talked about in my college application as well. Um, And aside from that, I was involved in the uh, business club at my school. So it was called uh, Future Business Leaders of America. It's like a national thing, but we had a chapter at my school. So um, I joined pretty late. I joined as a junior, but uh, straight off the bat, I ended up competing in the state competition and won first. So then I got to advance to nationals. And that was kind of like a a big moment for me because it made me realize, you know, business is really something I could do. Like I was taking business classes in high school and I was like, okay, like this is interesting. I could totally do this. but winning the competition and then going to nationals was what really sort of set that spark for me. So, um, you know, as I said, like, it was never like a huge pressure, like, oh, you need to figure out what to do. And like, you need to do all this, you know, and I know that's something that 
might be common in a lot of Indian households, um, having that like early college pressure. Um, but it wasn't really like that for me. Uh, but once I came into high school, I kind of figured out what I wanted to do through just like extracurriculars and all that. And from there on, I was able to just kind of independently go about um, applying and uh, figuring out what I wanted to major in and all of that. Okay, so I usually go into like GPA test scores and stuff and then extracurriculars, but you're like, you told me all your extracurriculars. So we might as well do a bit like of a deep dive into those. So number one, you mentioned traditional Indian dancing. So can you tell us like when you started to like, you know, when you finished and then I I don't know about traditional Indian dancing. So were there like competitions that you went to or like, how was it sorted out? How much time did it take from you? Yeah. So I started, I think, in first grade and um so you're like six seven years old uh yeah yeah and I did it all the way up until 10th grade um that's when I had my R engagement which was the solo debut performance that I mentioned so uh basically I didn't really like compete I know some dancers do compete but with my dance teacher and dance school we basically would have these like annual day performances where um we would just like uh, you know, a group of us would um, be like in a in a like a, a batch together, I guess. And we would like sort of grow up together. We'd learn all the dances together and all of that. And that would be the group that would like perform together each year. And it would just be like at a random school or something like that. But uh, it would just be like a an exposure, I guess, you know, to performing. And then so we would do that. And then um it would all just kind of lead up to this big performance and um, not everyone does it because it is a huge uh, investment financially and, you know, just mentally. Um, Like, as I said, you're kind of preparing for it all your life by gaining like a repertoire of dances, but that one year right before your R engagement, that is like super intense. You're like only training for that. You're training hours and hours each day. So Uh, It is a lot, but it honestly taught me a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's very, it's very draining, but at the same time, it's a huge accomplishment. Like, I think I'll look back on my life and like, that will be such a huge thing that I've done. So it was great in that sense. And it taught me a lot of discipline and, um, you know, just like leadership at a very young age. So uh, it's definitely an amazing thing. And I'm super happy that my parents uh, put me into it. Uh, Mm -hmm. so young because I definitely wouldn't have been able to get into it myself Um, and at the same time you know it you know growing up in America I was able to sort of stay close to my Indian roots and I think that was very important to my family and it ended up becoming super important to me as well I think I'll definitely carry on the tradition um, if I have daughters Mm -hmm. all right so next thing you mentioned you after you had your solo debut you say you eased off a bit and you joined yeah. the dance team or no, the Asian team at your school. So can you tell us yeah. you know, why you joined that and what were your like responsibilities? What roles did you hold in that? Yeah, absolutely. So we have this Asian cultural club at my high school. And I know a lot of neighboring high schools have one as well. And basically, like the club itself is just a bunch of teams. So the overall like objective of the club is to host an annual event each year. And the event is a play and it usually resembles some sort of like uh, Bollywood, like movie uh, plot line, essentially. But 
within the play. That's a lot of dancing. (laughs) Yeah. Within the play, they incorporate like these little like competitions or something like that, where like they can bring in the dances. So like, for example, they'll have like some like love plot and it'll be like a guy and a girl. And then like, you know, the guy like needs money and oh, suddenly there's a dance competition where he could win money. And that's kind of how like they bring in the dances and the the dances are like our actual dance teams. So we have like different styles of uh, Indian dance. Um, We have like a singing team. And then there was, um, there was also a classical dance team like what I did in my childhood, but I just decided not to do it. Cause I was like, I've been doing it for like nine years. Might as well try something new. And then they have more like folk styles, like uh, Garba and Bhangra and uh, South Indian and things like that. So honestly, like joining that club was just like a hobby type of thing for me. Like I was like, okay, let me try something new and let me uh, spend time with people. Cause it, our school was like majority Indian kids and like pretty much everyone uh, is in that club at some point. So it's kind of just like, really, a, your, like a fun your school time. was yeah. a big, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We were definitely the majority. So, um, it was just like a fun time. It wasn't like seen as like a weird thing, you know, like there was no like stigma, like all the teachers knew about it. They'd come to the show every year and like all of that. It was like a, it was seen as like a, as a cool thing. Right. So, um, and all like the dance practices would happen like on the side, like after school, like on people's own time. So that would be like fun too. Cause it would just be like, you know, a bunch of high school kids getting together and like we'd choreo and we'd dance, but we'd also just like have fun and, you know, watch movies and eat pizza and like, it would be a good time. So, um, hey, can we join us here for a sec. Yeah. So, I mean, it's very rare. Like my school is very close to being majority Asian as well, but that's like very, mm-hmm. very uncommon. And uh-huh. Princeton, New Jersey, I've been there before and like, I don't know much about it, but I thought it was like more predominantly white so is there like a large indian community in princeton yeah so actually i'm from south brunswick new jersey but Mm -hmm. i'm like on the outskirts of princeton i guess like my house address is princeton but i live like essentially across the school so Mm -hmm. i'm not necessarily in princeton like what you'd think of it or what anyone would think of it um yeah so i'm in like south brunswick and it's like majority indian people wow Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Back to your, back to your <laughs> explaining. Um, yeah. So what was I saying? Oh, um, so basically it was just kind of like a fun thing and I just joined it to like have a fun senior year, junior year and stuff. But I ended up getting a leadership role in it. Um, I was like the captain of the Bangar team along with uh, one other captain. So that also taught me a lot. Cause then I had to like lead a group of high schoolers and it's a lot harder than it seems. Like I definitely commend high school teachers, any teachers out there, but um, yeah, so it was definitely a a fun time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now FBLA, Future Business Leaders of America. (laughs) Okay. So you said that you started and you went to the state competition. So can you explain to those, because I know how the layout is, because I remember going to the interest meeting in freshman year. I just, <laughs> no, I couldn't afford going to the competition. But can you yeah. explain to us, like, how um, FBLA works, how the competitions work? You know, you do go to, like, different states to compete as well. So can you explain how it works? Yes. So basically, once you're in FBLA, you've signed up, you're in the club, um, you get to start thinking about the state competition. And for us, it was held in Atlantic City in like a hotel, like a convention 
center type of thing. Um, but I know it differs uh, across the country. But um, so basically, there are a bunch of events. So they're all like pretty business and tech focused. And they're also exams. So I was never part of the exams, but basically you could like study and take these like exams. And that is also a way you could like place in the competition. But there were mainly events. And basically, um, so me and two other girls, we ended up uh, picking this event called e-business. And each event has like a prompt. So like just directions for what you have to do. And for e-business, we had to make a hypothetical e-business, but primarily make a website for it. It was very media focused. And then there were like requirements that we had to fulfill within the event. So like for the website, we had to have like videos, we had to have pictures, we had to have, you know, all the information for our business, like, you know, requirements like that. Um, and so basically we had so like- Did a, you guys create a, time... a whole business idea from scratch? Yeah, basically. Oh, wow. So yeah, I actually still have the link. I can send it to you if you want. Um, what was it about? What was it about? It was basically, um, so like with our school, right? We have a bunch of like games and events like this Asian show and, you know, concerts and things like that. So all the tickets for all those events are handled in person. So I think it was me who came up with the idea. Um, I was like, why don't we have like an online ticket business right where all these like transactions could happen through our website and we developed the website and all of that so we actually made it and then our town this I know I did make the title our town is South Brunswick right so we'd abbreviate it as SB so I was thinking of a name for the company and I was like speedy ticks would be a good name right because it's like tickets fast online and then since our town is SB, I decided to make it speedy ticks, like S-B-E-E-D-Y ticks. So it'd be kind of clever. And that actually was like a huge thing that the judges really liked at the competition when I explained it, because I explained it like that. They really liked it. Um, but yeah, so we had the idea. We made the website and everything. It was like full-fledged, really good. Honestly, we could have made it like a legitimate like business, I think, but it just would have been a lot with like coordinating with the school and all of that. So it was just like a good hypothetical. And then we presented at the uh, conference. So I think the time frame we had was like, like winter, early winter. That's when we started, I think quite a, like soon after school started. Um, and then the conference was in March. So we had that time, we worked on it. We had to come up with like an oral presentation and then basically at the competition you have like days where you have like these actual events happening like not everyone is going to do everything at the same time right because there are different events but um so you have like a time and a day so we went in and you go into like a room and it's like I think three judges and you're just like standing you have your computer and you basically just present to them um and yeah, so we did that. And then they have like a final ceremony thing where like everyone in the conference comes to this room and there's like a stage and they're announcing all the winners. And that's where you like find out if you've placed. So it's it's really cool. It's a long ceremony, but it's crazy because then they just kind of announce your names and everyone goes on and then they tell you like, you know, which place. So at that point, you're on the stage when you figure out, you know, what place you're in. Yeah. So it's just like it's kind of like process of elimination because they'll go like fifth to first mm -hmm. so once we were standing there we realized like 
were first we were like freaking out um everyone there is like they're always like very composed and like serious people but we were like jumping for joy so it was great <laughs> and you said you guys moved on to national so was yeah. it like you carry the same idea and moved on or did you have to like start completely from scratch yeah so we carried the same thing and we presented at um texas that's where they held the competition so it was over the summer like once school had ended and it was cool because we actually got to go there with one of our advisors who was also um, a lot of our like teachers for uh, accounting because a lot of us were business kids so um, it was pretty cool we got to go with her and her husband and it was a small group at that point because it was only the kids who qualified for nationals so we went from like a whole bus of kids to just like um, maybe like two rows on the plane so it was uh it was pretty cool how did how far did you guys make it in nationals oh nationals was a it was a funny story so the wi-fi like cheaped out on us so as we were trying to present our website we couldn't and it's timed like your presentation to the judges is timed so we lost the time because yeah it was really stupid but it's fine at least we got the experience you do you still wonder where you would have placed if the wi-fi was fine yeah for sure because a first in the state was really crazy. So mm-hmm. maybe we could have at least made it like somewhere in the top five, but uh, it's all right. <laughs> it happened yep. for a reason. <laughs> all right. Any other extracurriculars that you want to mention? Um, those are like my main, main ones in high school. Other than that, I did the, you know, traditional tennis in elementary school and clarinet in uh, middle school and all of that but these were the ones that really stuck okay so and for college app purposes because like the explanation you gave me you don't give that to colleges they see like three lines for your extracurriculars so for college app purposes what did you write um for the colleges to see with what you did with those extracurriculars so it was pretty much what i uh summarized to you i highlighted um, FBLA and the competition. Um, and I also highlighted, uh, being a captain of the dance team. Um, and also I forgot to mention, I played lacrosse, but it was very short. So I don't really like think of it as like a huge thing. Um, and it was always just like a fun thing for me. I never thought of it as like, Oh, I have to do a sport for college or anything like that. Um, so I did that ninth and 10th and actually it clashed with the Asian cultural club, like timings of it all. Because it would be uh, lacrosse season was in the spring. And then the Asian club was around that time. That's when we would have the show, like the annual show. And since it's all just leading up to that one event, um, you know, it's very important that like everyone's like all hands in and like, you know, at every meeting and whatever. So um, after 10th, I was like, well, I have to make a decision. Like, I know lacrosse is just like a fun thing for me. And it's not like, you know, I'm going to college for lacrosse or anything like that. So I definitely could drop it. And, you know, like the Asian club is only a once in a lifetime kind of thing, like especially with high school, like there's there's clubs in college um, that dance and all that. But like having that atmosphere of like all these kids and all these different dances and, you know, whatever, um, I knew it would be like a, a rare thing. So I decided to go with that for 11th and 12th grade. All right. All right. So let's go on to the more like GPA, SAT stuff of high school. Can you describe your high school to me? Was it like a competitive environment? Did you, did your high school send many kids to, you know, like selective universities every year? Yeah. South Brunswick is the definition of 
a competitive environment. Uh, but I'm really grateful for it because it kept me on my toes. And I think it kept everyone on their toes. Um, but I was nowhere near like as, I guess, you know, like active and just like school, school, school as I am now. So like back then I was like pretty like average and especially considering the competitive environment, it was really hard to, you know, kind of soar up the ranks. So I was just um, like, I would, I would have my strengths and like, for me, it was always English um, and that type of thing. But I don't know, it's kind of hard. Cause like the kids at South Brunswick, like those who are really up there, they're like super all-rounded. So like your strengths won't even match to like someone who's like up there, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, um, I was kind of like, you know, three, eight student just kind of would work hard, but like, it just didn't compare. You know what I mean? So now like being in the environment that I'm in at Drexel, um, I feel like the hard work and everything, like it really pays off. Like I can see it paying off. Mm-hmm. So that's just a, a good thing. Um, you know, it can get a little toxic, especially because with um, not to be like stereotypical, but like with like Indian kids, like their parents are very involved in everything. So, you know, it can get a little like, you know, in the neighborhood, like people will be like, oh, what's your kid doing? What's this kid doing? And it's like very, oh, yeah. you know, toxic. Right. But I guess that's just it just made the made the school go around, you know, it made everything work. <laughs> yep. Okay, so if you don't mind sharing, uh, and did your school do like any AP IB programs? Yeah, yeah, we had AP classes. Okay, so if you don't mind sharing the not the AP classes you took, but like how many you took, and then what did your unweighted and weighted GPA come out to be? So for AP classes, I took. Um, let me see. I probably took like four overall, like not a lot at mm-hmm. all. Um, and I don't even know what the unweighted weighted, I know weighted, I had a three, eight overall, like, uh, my whole GPA. So unweighted, I actually have no idea. So um, you mean 3.8? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. okay. 3.8. Sorry. Yeah, that, yeah. That's the one that mainly concerned about, you know, weighted It's very yeah. subjective. Okay. Yeah. So, and one more thing before we move on to like the college yeah. app portion is SAT versus ACT, you know? When did yeah. you start? What was the process? What was your preparation? And then in the end, what did your super score end up being? Yeah, so I actually decided to go with the ACT because I just was doing so bad at the SAT. I was never a standardized testing person at all. Um, so I went with the ACT and um, I started preparing. I don't know when exactly, but I was taking some classes. I took like, I think two different like classes from different places. Um, and I was doing that. And I was also just like self-studying uh, like with books and stuff like that. So um, yeah. And I ended up like taking it until I want to say like the very beginning of senior year, I think. Um, so you mean you like took it up until then? Up until then. Yeah. Because I remember, like, I think, um, yeah, I wanted to keep trying. So, and since I was, I originally started with the SAT and then moved to the ACT, it was, like, more. So, What about the ACT made it easier for you? Was it the, like, less English part? 
Um, I think it was the, just like the, um, you know how they say the questions are more like straightforward, even though there's not that much time for each. So it was just kind of that. I think maybe, honestly, it might've been just like a mental thing where I was like, oh, like if the questions are easier, it'll be fine. But it just kind of ended up working out. Like I realized like, okay, I have to do this. Like, even though testing is not my thing, like I have to do it. Right. Like, otherwise I'm screwed. So um, I just yeah, kind of went at I it. I completely understand it the way out. they're mm-hmm. able to word questions on the SAT, like yeah. very, very creative people behind those questions. Yeah. 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 So that was kind of the the journey with it. I'm just glad that it's over. And if, if you don't mind sharing, what did your ACT score end up being like the final, final one? Yeah. So it was a 30. Mm-hmm. Okay. And was so, that like below average, average or above average for the schools that you were applying to? Um, it was average. It was like, it was fine, but it wasn't like the, you know, end of the spectrum by any means, like the high end of the spectrum. Um, but it was like, it worked like for the schools that I was applying to. Okay. So now on to actual college, I guess we could say application preparation. Mm -hmm. When did you actually seriously start thinking about college? And this can be anything, you know, Taking, thinking about the schools that you're going to apply to, going on college tours, or maybe starting your application. When did you start all of that? Yeah, so with applications, I actually got everything in by like the November 1st deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, let me just do everything early and get it done. I've always been that kind of person to just kind of like do my work like when I can, like not leave things and procrastinate. So I did that. So um, the summer before, um that's when I was really just like all right let me sit down let me do this so um I got that done and then I actually couldn't I went to um a pen tour um but I couldn't go to a Drexel one which is ironic because I do now go to Drexel because then COVID had hit for like admitted students day and I couldn't actually go so that sucked but um I knew like I knew that it was like a good campus and obviously like the location um, you get like the city vibe and all of that. So I was definitely like uh, aiming for that versus like a Rutgers, like sort of a mellow um, campus. So that was kind of like my main goal. I wanted like a lively campus. And even though I couldn't visit it, I definitely made the right decision. Okay. And can you tell us the, you kind of mentioned what you were looking for in a school. So can you tell us the schools that you did end up applying to, like what made it onto the final list? Yeah, so basically I had like a lot to begin with, but my parents were like, we don't even want you applying anywhere like super far. So then that really easily shrunk my list. So I was limited to like a very close, um, you know, list. So I think I ended with, um, of course, Drexel, UMD, uh, Pitt, Rutgers, um, and then my dad really wanted me to apply to Princeton because we live here. Um, you know, he's just like, oh, I have a house in Princeton. Like, why don't you just apply? I was like, OK. Um, but that, of course, did not go favorably. Um, and where else did I apply? I think, yeah, it was it was like six or so schools. Uh, Temple. Sorry, that was what I forgot. Um, yeah, so it was like very like limited and very much like in my range. I wanted to keep it, you know safe um because I knew like I knew like high school wasn't the best for me so I knew like you know I can't be like super unrealistic 
Princeton was obviously that for me, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. So I just kind of kept it within range and I'm definitely happy with uh, the turnout. And one thing Drexel, we'll talk about this a little later when we get to like yeah. actual college, but Drexel has a co-op program. So when you were looking mm-hmm. for colleges, were internships like on the front of your mind? Yeah. I've always been like a person that likes actually like having the hands-on experience and working at a place. So um, when I found out about the co-op program, when I was applying for schools, I was like, okay, this is great. Like, this is definitely something I want to consider. And given, you know, the fact that it's in a lively place and um, the class sizes are small, all these factors, I was like, okay, like, this is it for me. And let's go into recommendation letters and then we'll go into your big, like, common up okay. essay so recommendation letters who did you get them from basically yeah that who did you get them from? <laughs> there's not much you don't know what they said right uh yeah so I got one from a business teacher that um I pretty much like like so he started teaching when I was a freshman so we kind of like went through high school together um so he knew a lot about me I had him freshman year and senior year so that was super full circle so he wrote a letter and then um my English teacher from junior year he was also one of the advisors for the Asian club so he knew what I was like in an extracurricular setting as well as in the classroom so he wrote my second letter oh I thought for recommendation letters at least most colleges expect one STEM you know science math teacher and then one humanity like English social studies teacher so were you fine submitting one from English one from English and then one from your um, other teacher the first one that you mentioned yeah um, I mean I guess it kind of does work in that logic because the first one was business and the Mm -hmm. second one was English so I guess like if you want to count business as like more stem than like humanities then yeah but um because I always I thought STEM, I never like, thought math, of it. like, your, get your calc teacher oh. or something. No, I mean, I think as a business major, it made sense to have one of my business teachers give me a letter. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wasn't even really thinking about it like that. I was thinking about, you know, who really knew my character um, and could really, you know, speak to me as a person and uh, me as a student as well. So it just made sense. They were great fits. All right. Last thing before we get on to like which colleges you got accepted, deferred, and you rejected from, what was your common app essay about? The, like the really, the really long one. You don't need to give every word in detail. Just like what was the main yeah. idea and what were you thinking? Um, were you thinking to be funny, something more creative, relatable? No, it was actually, uh, it was about my struggles. Like it was about um, how 10th grade, I kind of had put a lot on my plate with um, a bunch of, you know, just actually all honors classes. And at South Brunswick, they're like notoriously hard. Um, They're like kind of like APs. And um, how I was also balancing that with lacrosse and, you know, dance. Um, And then I talked about how that really had an impact on me um, academically and just like mentally. Um, And then junior year I had a complete change um I was like a in sophomore year I had like a three six or something like not good for my standards and then junior year I turned it around and had a 4.0 sorry so I just kind of talked about how I was able to grow through that struggle 
and like learn about myself and learn about what works and um, all of that. So I just kind of, you know, not this straightforward. I put it into like a nice essay. As I said, I love reading and writing. So I loved writing the essay. Um, and then, yeah, so that's kind of what worked. Uh, the colleges liked it, to say the least. So I'm happy with that. All right. And of the colleges that you applied to, and you said you apply, you got your applications done by November 1st. So did you apply er- early to everything? Yeah, I did. Early oh. action. Okay. So which colleges did you get accepted, I guess, deferred from and rejected from? Um, I got accepted into all except UMD and Princeton. Well, so you got accepted into everything. Almost. Okay. <laughs> and how did you, and so Drexel was like, you're all like I guess top you got accepted and you're like yeah I'm going to Drexel yeah so a lot of it was just like proximity and distance and stuff oh Penn State was another school I forgot um also got accepted but um yeah it was just like you know distance um and also again a huge thing for me I keep saying it it was just like the vibe of the school the location um I really needed that you know sort of active environment lively that type of thing and it's definitely there at Drexel with you know the city right there um and so once it came down to it it was pretty much Rutgers or Drexel and just looking at everything I was like it's definitely Drexel and luckily my parents were fully supportive they weren't like you have to go to Rutgers or you know you have to like do anything they were totally fine and it's where I am now all right, so we can get into the college stuff now. So number one, I'm going to ask you about like Drexel as a school. And then mm-hmm. two, we can go into your own experience that you've had. You've only been there one year, but we could talk yeah. about your experiences there. So can yeah. you tell us about Drexel as a school? Like where is it located? Yes. You said it's a city, but you got to repeat <laughs> it. Like, you know, what kind of area yeah. is it located in? What are like famous, like, I guess, well-known majors? What programs do they have that are like I guess top in the nation or something so can you tell us a little bit about Drexel yes so Drexel is in Philadelphia um, and it's specifically in University City so it's not directly in like Center City or like what you would think of as Philadelphia but it's just a short scepter right away Um, so with Drexel I mean majors wise there's a lot of majors there a lot of people go for Um, like engineering or um, anything in the sciences because they do have a eight-year med program so people that get accepted into that can do their undergrad and their uh, med school all at Drexel so that's great Um, so that's definitely very popular but also um, they offer like such a wide variety of majors like there's a whole um, you know the art school where there's um, all these like film majors like tv making and like also just like actual like art and um, design and things like that. Um, Their business school is really on the come up now um, with co-ops, like uh, a lot of business majors land really, really good co-ops at like Goldman Sachs and like JP Morgan and all these like huge name companies. Um, And yeah, so pretty much overall, it's a great school, but it is very rigorous because uh, of the quarter system that I was mentioning to you earlier. Uh, Basically like, you would think of like the terms as seasons. So instead of like semesters, like fall and spring, it would be like all seasons. So um, our fall starts in 
or September 20th, right? So that's because we have a summer term. And basically how that works is in alignment with co-ops. So there are two co-op cycles, um, fall and winter and spring and summer. So if you have a fall winter co-op, you'll be doing co-op during those terms while other students are in school. And then you'll come back in the spring and summer and take your classes. And then the spring and summer co-op people will be doing their co-op. So that's kind of why the quarter system is there. Um, Can you explain what a co-op program is? Yes, yes. So it's basically just an internship, but it's for six months versus like three months over the summer. That's like what traditional college students do. But with uh, co-op students, you would do it for like a longer period of time. And it's basically the same thing as an internship. It's just called a co-op and it's longer. Um, And with Drexel, they have like um, a whole like tool that you can use to find co-ops. And it's like within their database, but you can also do co-op search outside of that. So you would just apply for companies like internships like you would regularly. Um, so yeah, they're very helpful with that. And it's definitely like a huge reason as to why people come to Drexel. Yeah. And with, so I interviewed someone from Northeastern and they also have a, mm-hmm. like, probably, I think one of the oldest co-ops in the country along with mm-hmm. uh, Drexel. And the guy I was interviewing from Northeastern, he said that during the six months that they were doing their co-op, they weren't doing uh-huh. schoolwork. And I think Northeastern yeah. pays them or either requires the company to pay them or Northeastern pays them for their co-op. So is that the same situation in Drexel? Yeah. So you're basically hired by the company during your co-op time. So for that six months, you are fully an employee, like you're a full-time worker. You're like literally an adult, like working. Um, Some people do take classes on co-op, but there's a limit to that. I think you can only take like two classes or something, or it's like a certain amount of credits um but typically people will just focus on their co-op because that itself is a lot of work it's literally a full-time job so yeah the company will typically pay you um but there are some co-ops that are like drexel co-ops like you can work at certain like drexel departments or something so then in that case drexel would pay you or if you're in like a special circumstance where like your co-op doesn't like pay co-ops uh then you would like you could apply for like a Drexel funding or something. They have that. And if you get that, then Drexel's paying you. But um, yeah, typically the company itself will pay you. And you are part of this special program for, I guess, like business centered majors. So can you, the, the five-year track. So can yeah. you explain that? And you said there was some sort of like application, like you got in, but then there's another yeah. application. So can you explain that whole situation to us? Yeah, so basically, I guess somewhere on my application, I had expressed interest in their accelerated MBA program. Um, I honestly don't even remember doing it, or maybe they like can just like select you like from your application, something like that. But once I got my acceptance, it said I was in the accelerated MBA program, which is basically you get your MBA in one year, along with your undergrad. So with that program, you would do four years of undergrad, one year MBA. So that'd be a five year program. Um, But they also have two types of co-op programs. So there's a four-year one co-op program where you're fully in school for three years and then your junior year you're on co-op for two terms, so two seasons. Um, And then the five-year three co-op program is you're in school fully your freshman year and then starting your sophomore year 
and then your pre-junior year, which is a year they added. And then junior year, you're going to be doing co-op for two terms and then classes for two terms. And then senior year is like a regular year and then you graduate. So those are like the two programs. So with that accelerated MBA program, I like accepted uh, admission into the school, whatever. Right. And then I started talking to my advisor about it. And she said, basically, it was like provisional acceptance. So like, I'd still have to apply for that program. But like, it's like a 99% guarantee that I'll be in it, essentially. So what I did was then I switched to a five-year three-call program, because originally, I was just four-year one co-op. I switched and a lot of business majors are in this program, because then you get three different, you know, working opportunities at three different companies. Um, or maybe the same company if they like you and you like them. So it just gives you more work experience. And, you know, as a business major, you can never go wrong with uh, more work experience. So I switched to that. And I could, after two co-ops, apply for the MBA program. And if I get in, I could, like, switch back to a four-year one co-op and then just kind of end, you know, undergrad and then go to the MBA program. But I'll see. I still have to start my first co-op to begin with. So I'll see where that goes. But yeah, it's a little confusing, but um, it's pretty cool. And with your first co-op, are you planning to do it like the last, the spring and summer term of sophomore year? Because you're going into sophomore year now? Yeah. So basically you're assigned these co-op cycles, but um, some... So you don't get to choose? You don't get to choose, but you could like switch with someone. Or like there's this one program at the business school that I'm doing and it's basically like I'm a TA for like the university 101 class, which is only offered in the fall. It's like just like the um, what So like what resources do we have? Like how do you schedule? It's that type of class. So that's obviously only in the fall for freshmen. And there's like a program within the business school where um, you get paired with someone else and you guys are basically like the TAs for that class. So because of that, since it's only offered in the fall, you'd have to be like on campus and doing classes for that. So they automatically switch whoever's a fall winter co-op to a spring summer co-op. So I was fall winter, but then I got into that program. They switched me. So now I'm spring summer. So I'll be in class this fall and winter. And during that time, I'll be applying for co-ops and then interviewing and all of that. And then spring summer, I'll be working. Fingers crossed. Everything happens like that. But yeah. And how does Drexel help their students find co-ops? What resources do they have? Do they have like, you know, connections to companies that students have worked with in the past? Yeah, they have a whole database where you can like search for companies and apply right on that database. So you wouldn't even have to do it through like, you know, a company's website or something like that. But if you do want to try to go for a company that doesn't have a partnership with Drexel like that, then you could do it Um in like an outside search, but they do have that database, which is really great. And is it like, is it a database of spots? Do companies reserve like spots for Drexel students? And are you guys like competing for a spot? Um, I think within the database, like within, like just for co-ops, it's like the potential co-ops competing against each other, like mm-hmm. us Drexel students competing among each other. Um, but companies do still do, you know, their internships or whatever like I'm thinking like you know for example like a, a Goldman Sachs for example right like they still have uh interns from other colleges but they also have like co-ops from Drexel or from Northeastern or wherever 
So I don't know if that they have a set number, but they definitely do have like a separate sort of link because we have like a separate database and all that. So it's not even like um, through the traditional way of applying. Okay. I think we've gone through enough of co-ops. Let's go on to your actual college experience. Freshman year was last year. Oh, I guess well, you're starting sophomore year now. So last year you were a, um, a freshman. Tell us about your experience and tell us about how Drexel handled the COVID situation. Like, were they good with communication and providing students what they needed when they asked for it? So can you tell us about your freshman experience that was nearly entirely virtual? Yeah, so to start off with my experience, um, it was completely virtual because I actually could have gone on campus for the spring term or even the winter term. But since I'm just like an hour away, I was like, you know what, might as well just, you know, save money, spend time with the family. So I decided to just stay at home the whole year. Um, And honestly, with doing that, I thought it was a good idea because I ended up just staying completely focused. I wasn't distracted by like a new environment and like new people, you know, none of that. And I mean, anyways, the classes were all virtual. So all I had to do was just kind of sit and grind. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it wouldn't have been a huge difference, but I think it was definitely a move for me to stay at home. Um, And even despite being home, I was able to meet a lot of people through like clubs and just like get involved. Um, So I ended up joining uh, the Women in Business Club, which is like a popular club among like all colleges. And I'm now on the e-board for that for this year. So that's pretty cool. And then I also joined student government, which was great because then I was able to work hands-on and uh, do things that directly impact the university so it just felt good like I felt pretty like useful even though I was at home and like disconnected from the university you know I was not really disconnected Um, and I also did research for like eight months I'd say Um, so tell us about that that is a lot of research time tell us what did you do research on you know was it something like Drexel helped you find or did you find it on your own experience everything (laughs) so this is actually kind of a crazy story um so it was winter of 2020 to set the scene and I got pretty interested in AI kind of out of nowhere and I was like wow like this is really cool and I'm a business major like you know business and tech are like brothers (laughs) um I should definitely know about it so I ended up taking a course on Coursera and it was just like an AI for everyone, like basic artificial intelligence course type of thing. But I took it and I just like did it in one sitting, like six hours, I think I just did it. Yeah, it was pretty long, but it was it was meant to span over like weeks. But I was just that interested that I did it. And I was like, wow, like, this is great. Like, I want to learn more. So I ended up randomly seeing this flyer for an event. And it was held by the Women in Computing Society at Drexel. So kind of similar to Women in Business, but for the computing like majors. Um, and I saw the event and it was called Research Opportunities. And at that time I was thinking, okay, like maybe I'll do some like actual research with a professor to further my knowledge. And I saw the event and I was like, wow, like this is great timing, let me go. So I went and there were two professors that were like speaking about um, you know, their research and like what they look for in an assistant and just like all everything about research. 
And I ended up just like following them on LinkedIn. Um, and I didn't really think much of it. And then I was like, you know what? Like I should definitely like follow up with them and be like, hey, like I was at this event and like I should read up on like their publications from the past and see if maybe they have opportunities. You know, even though I don't know anything about computers really. Um, like I literally have never taken a coding class or anything in my life. I don't know anything about computer science. I was like, let me just reach out. Um, so I reached out to one professor first. Um, his name is Dr. Hebron. And I just kind of, this is actually like two weeks after the event too. So it, like time had passed, but I spent the time really like reading his old publications and seeing his work and like figuring out, you know, would this actually work for me if it were to work out and all of that. And I was really fascinated with what he did. So I wrote like a long email and I was like, Hey, like, this is me, this is the situation and like, whatever. And I was like, would you like to, you know, set up a zoom meeting sometime to talk? Um, and he's like the best professor ever, very responsive. He replied like pretty quickly and was like, Hey, like, you know, thanks for reaching out. Um, you seem great. Like, yes, let's definitely set up a meeting so we did and we pretty much like clicked instantly like we were just having a casual talk but he could like sense my enthusiasm and I could tell he was like a great professor and person to work with so essentially like at the end of that call I think it was established already that we'd be like working together um because then he mentioned he had like a project kind of ongoing so I was like oh I'd like love to help if I can and from there, it just kind of went. And it's crazy because that was probably in like December. And in February, we ended up submitting a conference paper. It was 10 pages to um, this European conference on cyber warfare. And that got published. And mm. I and I presented virtually at that conference too, just uh, in June. So, um, yeah, so from like December up until now, because I told you I, I did a research program over the summer, that was like a Drexel thing that I applied for. And they basically like once you apply for that and you get in, you like uh, find a mentor who's like a professor, or, like a faculty member or someone, and you work with them for the summer. So since I was already working with Dr. Heverin, we ended up just continuing. Um, we just like expanded what we did for the publication. Um, so we just did like more research. We delved deeper into it. So, and I actually just uh, finished the program and I was like, um, you know, we both agreed I should like take a break and like see what like fall will be like and all that, like in real life. So yeah, it's been like eight months of that. So that was like insane. I never thought I would uh, hold on, hold on. do So research. you're not a computer person. Like I understand you were in business, but you were not a computer mm -hmm. person. Yeah, no. Why? And I'm not saying this to me like offense yeah. you at all. I'm just saying like, yeah, yeah. why did he choose you when you yeah. don't have like much experience to do research with him? Yeah. So this is where like just you, your character as a person goes a long way. Um, he literally could just sense that I was so eager to learn. Like that's pretty much what it was. Um, and I, you know, I didn't know anything, as I said. So right when he like took me under his wing he taught me everything and I was able to like pick up and like I learned um how to ontology model which is like a whole thing um and I had to learn how to use a software called protege um and then I learned a little bit of uh querying 
So um, that's like a little bit of Kansai, I guess. Not really, mm-hmm. but it kind of is. So I learned that language called uh, Sparkle. Um, so I just basically like was very eager to learn. I, I kind of always am. But um, at that time, especially, I was like, whoa, like this is so cool. So I just kind of ran with it and he really enjoyed working with me so I so gratefully um so yeah it just kind of worked out that's amazing to do research freshman year (laughs) that is really hmm? yeah no I was just gonna say yeah um it's kind of strange I don't even know how I got the opportunity but I'm just grateful as I said like he's an amazing professor like he really does look at people's potential and um you know their eagerness and enthusiasm so and what did you guys I, do research on? So it was basically, um, initially, it was about ethical hacking and how, you know, there are certain like tasks that ethical hackers have to go through in order to like holistically evaluate a target. And so we wanted to automate some of those processes to make it easier for them. So that was kind of the focus of the paper that we put out. And then over the summer, um, we looked at, programmable logic controllers which are like a certain type of device and we looked at how we could make um, the decision making processes and tasks for cyber defenders easier also through automation that's where um, I mean both times we used ontology modeling and semantic queries and things like that but um, this time I got to do more of like the actual um queries and like actual hands-on work with that and using like um, this database called GraphDB. Um, So it was cool. I got to like make my own queries, which basically just like extract data from like whatever data you have in the ontology, which is like a knowledge graph. So pretty cool stuff. That is incredible. Incredible. So like (laughs) now I would ask, what are the dorms like at Drexel? What's the food like at Drexel? But you don't know. So I I actually do. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, I was in a dorm for the summer program because they gave us housing. Yeah. So I was in the honors dorm, which is like the best dorm. I'm so grateful because there's a private bathroom. There's two on each floor. So there is communal, but there's private. So I never used the communal because the private one was there. There's a whole shower in there, too. So um, that hall is really great. And overall, I've heard like good things about the halls. Um, Obviously, they're not as amazing as like an apartment or something like that. But um they're they're not the worst by any means um and food wise I actually don't have much to tell you because the halls were closed over the summer um but they did give us sort of like a food stipend so we have like dragon dollars which can be used at some of like the on-campus like restaurants and things like that to like insomnia cookies and like places like that so they gave each uh person in the program 500 so that was cool. I pretty much uh, had like free food throughout the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, good experience overall. All right. So let's wrap up here. One more thing to do is advice. So number one, advice for high school students. And this can be anything. This can be life advice you want to give or something specific to college apps. And then number two, I mean, you're still new to college. You haven't been through much yeah. of it. But if you do have mm-hmm. any advice to share for incoming college students that as well so number one high school students and number two college students if you have any advice so for high school I'd say in terms of college applications I definitely recommend getting things in early I'm just that type of person but honestly it it just 
took a lot of stress off my plate and it just made the rest of the year better, you know, not having to worry while all my peers were worrying. So definitely get things in early if you can. And, you know, this might sound cheesy, but I definitely mean it. Have fun while you can, because, you know, once uh, all the college applications are in and stuff, you then have like a lot to decide after you get your acceptances or whatever. And life from then on just flies, you know, like you just suddenly are propelled into adulthood. And it's like, where did the time go? Literally. So definitely have fun, like enjoy the small moments. Um, I like, you know, with COVID, I just kind of was taken away from the high school scene. But now that like things are coming back, like literally just enjoy like the walks in the hallways and like the interactions with people at lunch and like small things like that. Cause seriously, you'll never get that back. Like, even though I am still a student, like there's no like walking in the hallway feel or like, you know, meeting up with this person and like, Baking, going to the bathroom or anything like that you know what I mean like just like the small things the the cute little things that make high school high school like just enjoy everything while you can and for incoming college students my biggest piece of advice is to definitely get involved it changed my life like I literally me being on this podcast right now is because I was involved I'm sure you never would have found my LinkedIn if I hadn't done whatever I had done now so definitely get involved and you know make the most of all of that like all your connections like if you can reach out to professors like be bold and do that you know you never know what's out there like I once again have never taken a coding class don't even still don't know how to code even though I've done all this research but you know that door was open for me because I was bold and I took that initiative so definitely don't be afraid And especially with all these clubs and things like that, like you never know who you'll meet and who you'll be connected with. And overall, they're a fun time too. So why not just go for it, right? Mm -hmm. So definitely be involved, college kids. Yep. All right. So that wraps up our episode. Thank you so much. This is great. Bye-bye. That's it for my interview with Sanjana. I hope you enjoyed and I hope you subscribe. Next week, I'll be releasing an interview with Seth from Brown University. He is a sophomore. You do not want to miss that. Other than that, I hope to see you then. Bye.